Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today, I want to talk to you about a very interesting virtue. It's a word that maybe you haven't heard in a long, long time. Today, I want to talk to you about the virtue of prudence. You might also know this word by wisdom, but prudence is actually the ancient word. And prudence is one of the four cardinal virtues. It was one of the virtues that Aristotle wrote about. The great philosophers of old handed this virtue down to us. And it's a hinge that all of the other virtues rest upon. In other words, if you have a virtue of courage, you need prudence so that courage doesn't become reckless or a lack of courage doesn't become cowardice. This is a very phenomenal virtue. And I believe today it's going to affect your heart. It's going to affect your mind. And it's going to make you, uh, give you the ability to make wise decisions. How many people want that ability to make wise decisions? Amen. We're going to read one verse together, pray, and then then we'll begin. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Joshua chapter 9. I'm going to tell you the whole story of Joshua chapter 9. But Joshua chapter 9, verse 14 says this. says, The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Today I'm going to talk to you about how prayer produces prudence. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. What's happening here? Well, this story happens in the book of Joshua chapter 9. And the Israelites find themselves crossing over into Canaan. This is the land that was promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For 40 years, they wandered in the desert, never able to go in and conquer and take what God had promised for them. But now on this day... They are moving into God's promises. They've got some momentum. They've got some mojo. They're making things happen. They've crossed over the Jordan River. They have conquered Jericho, which was a massive fortified city. I love that God, like right off the bat, tells everyone in the land, get ready, I'm coming. Because he takes down the one city that everyone thought was unconquerable. Without them even doing anything but raising their voice to heaven. Heaven does all the work. Another sermon, another time. They move on to the city of Ai and they conquer that. Pretty soon all of the Canaanites understand what's happening. These Israelites are coming. They're backed by God and they seem to be unstoppable. So a bunch of the kings gather together and they say we are going to violently fight against them. But one tribe, one people, one city called the Gibeonites, they do something different. The Gibeonites were royal people, royal city. They were very wise. So instead of choosing to fight Israel, they instead choose to deceive Israel. They're going to save themselves through deception. And so they come up with a scheme to, um, to cause the Israelites to believe that these people don't live in Canaan, but are from a far off distant land. They're not their enemies. They're not occupying the land that the Israelites are coming from. They're from a far off place, so therefore... We can make a treaty together, and we can be friends, and the Gibeonites through that would save their lives. And so, so they came up with this scheme. They, they took on, put on old, tattered old clothes and got old, worn-out donkeys, and they got wineskins that were all broken, and they took bread, all moldy and crumbly bread. They put it together, and they journeyed three days to the Israelites' camp. When they arrived, they told this story. They said, we, we're from a far-off distant land. 
And we're on a long journey, and our leaders, they sent us here because we have heard of the fame of your God. We've heard of what he's done in Egypt. We've heard of, a, of the conquering that, that's taking place, and we know that you're an unstoppable tribe. So we've come to make a peace treaty with you. Joshua says to them, who are you? And where are you from? Good questions. Who, who are you? And where are you from? And they go, oh, we're from a very far off, very, very distant, far off, distant land. It's a diff, totally distant country. <laughs> Not even telling them the name. Very vague. It's just, it's out there. You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have heard about it. Don't ask anybody about it. It's like, you know, when that kid says, like, he has a girlfriend, but she goes to another school. It's the ancient equivalent. I met her at summer camp. She lives in Ohio. And so the, so the Israelites, they go, I don't, I don't know about this, you know. They said, no, 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 trust me. When we started this journey, we had brand new clothes and all of that. And then, then they present their bread, their provisions, their wine. They say, look, look, when we started this journey, this bread was warm and fresh and new. And now, look, it's all moldy and dry and crumbly. And the Bible says, and, and so the Israelites tasted their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. They didn't pray about it. They didn't seek God. They didn't inquire. They just went by their sight. They went by their feelings. They went by what they wanted. And so Joshua made a treaty with them, a a declaration of friendship, a covenant with their enemies, a covenant with a culture that they were called to conquer. They now instead are allied with. Pretty soon they find out they were deceived. And Joshua and the people were so frustrated about this, so angry. They marched to the Gibeonite city, three days journey. And when they arrived there, the Gibeonites say, that's true, we deceived you. But here's the thing, you gave us your word. You can't go back on your word. We're covenanted now. And if you go on later on, you see that in the end, the Israelites even had to fight and defend the Gibeonites from other people Instead of conquering the people, taking the land that God had, had apportioned to the Israelites, they made friends with their enemy because they were deceived. Wow. Have you ever been there? Yes. Have you ever made mistakes? Have you ever made foolish decisions? Have you ever lacked prudence yes. and ended up finding yourself in a situation that turned out differently than you thought yes. it would be? Yes. You end up somewhere you're not quite sure how you ended up there, but you know... You got got, you got finessed, you got deceived, and it's your fault. I know I've been there. Last year, I wanted to go to a Patriots game, but not any Patriots game. I wanted to go to the last time Tom Brady would be in the New England State Stadium as, as a Buccaneer versus, uh, versus the, uh, the Patriots, you know? And my mom's still mad about that. My mom's still mad about how Tom Brady's a buck, you know? She says, like, a pirate. That's what he is now. He's a pirate. It's like, she sees everything spiritually, you know. But, uh, but I'm, I'm a Brady fan, even before I'm a Pats fan. I know, I know I shouldn't say that to you, but it is what it is. I'm here to tell the truth and shame the devil. And, <laughs> and it being, it being uh, football season today, I, I, I'll tell you the story I, told, I to- told myself I would never tell anyone. And... I wanted to go to this game, and, and we got home from church. It was Sunday night, and so my friend started texting me like, hey, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's go. This is the last time that we'll ever have a chance to see Brady in New England. We're going to tell our grandkids about this game. It was that vibe going on, and we're going to do this, you know? 
So I looked up the, the prices, and the, t- the prices of the tickets were going up by the minute. Like, just every minute was up 50 bucks. And I was like, I'm, I, am, I am out. I am not. So I went on a sketchy website. You know, the one where it's 50-50, maybe. And, and I found some guy selling a, a, row, a row of seats, enough for me and my friends, and I called him up, and he answered the phone like this, hey, man. I should have known. There's giggling in the background. I should have known. All, what I'm telling you is all the signs were there. I wish, I, I wish this story was when I was a teenager. I was a grown adult. This was last season when this happened. And the guy's like, yeah, man, my company has, has a row of seats. And I was like, you don't sound like you have a company, dude. You know, and, uh, or you're part of a company or any of that. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. So I'm going back and forth. I'm asking all these questions. I'm trying to, to, to discern my way through this thing, <laughs> ignoring the obvious. And, uh, and so uh, I sent money to his cash app. Uh, Don't disre- I don't know. I, you weren't there, okay? You weren't there. My friends were texting me. I asked Samantha, and she said, whatever you think is best, which is wife speak for you're on your own, bud. That's, I was confused. Should have known when it, when it was a WhatsApp number. I should have known. Only Europeans and con men are using WhatsApp, and, and, you know, and you're talking to your cousins on it. You know, I should have known. Anyways, I sent the money, and he disappeared, and I watched the game from home. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It was, a, it was a bad game. Brady only threw for like 80 yards. and uh, Well, at least I'm telling myself that it was a bad game. I'm trying to. But I got, I got, I got conned, and, I, and it was my fault. It was my fault. Even if I prayed about it for like four seconds, I would have made the right decision, you know? I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that where you made a foolish decision, caught up in emotion. The, the reality is I, I, I ignored the signs because of what I wanted was more powerful than the truth of the, of, the, of the situation. My desire overwhelmed my wisdom, and it opened the door to deception. You ever been there? What I wanted outweighed what I knew was right. This is wh- wh- why God gives us the virtue of prudence. Because prudence prevents you and I from making poor decisions. Prudence prevents us from living a life under deception. The virtue of prudence will make you wise. It will make you intelligent. It will make you sharp. It will make you understand what's being said and what's really going on underneath. What was said and what's meant. The virtue of prudence will help you get out of consistent situations where you're constantly misunderstanding. Prudence will make you sharp. And know this, prudence comes from prayer. Prayer produces prudence. When you go before God, when you include God, you make better decisions. Can we agree on that? When you get God's opinion you end up making better decisions. So the Spirit of God will help make you prudent. And prudence is the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. I want you to know, God didn't just save your soul, He saves your mind. He will make you sharp. 
And maybe you'll make one mistake, but you will not get caught up in a series of mistakes. Amen? You will not live a life filled with deception, but you will be wide awake. Peter says this. He says, listen, the end of all things is near. The end of the world is close. Therefore, be alert. Be awake. Be watchful. And be of sober mind. Make sure you're thinking clearly. Make, make sure you've got clarity in your thought processes so that you might pray. Now, you would think, well, hold on. If I'm, if I'm clear in my mind, why do I need to pray? They are not enemies. They are not exclusive. They work together. They work together. Prayer produces prudence, and prudent people pray. And I hope that you pray about everything. Because at least I've found in my life, if I'm not praying about everything, many times I end up praying about nothing. If I don't pray for all the little things, it's amazing how many times I'll forget to pray about the big things. It's amazing how powerful, how powerful it is to pray five-second prayers. So if I can't pray five-second prayers, many times I won't be able to pray for something for five months. Prayer makes you prudent. Prudent people pray. And God will begin to make you wise. Well, why do you need wisdom? Why do you need clarity? Why do you need to have such sharp thought processes? Jesus tells us, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. In other words, you're behind enemy lines. You're operating on enemy territory. You have to come up another level because there are forces, spirits, and things out there that are trying to eat you alive. You are sheep among wolves. But he goes on by saying, so be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Be as wise as serpents, as shrewd, as cunning as serpents, yet don't take on the serpent's spirit. Be innocent, be whole, be harmless, be kind, but do not ever misunderstand meekness for weakness. We're meek, but we're not weak. We're kind, but we're not dumb. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be as wise as serpents. Interesting that that's what he chooses. Because the allusion is actually to Genesis 3, the serpent that was in the garden. Do you know it says in Genesis 3 that that serpent was more crafty and more shrewd than any of the beasts of the field? And so through its deception, it caused the fall of mankind. What Jesus is saying is you have an adversary. It's an ancient one. It's a snake. It's shrewd, but he is not smarter than you. This is good news. Satan is not smarter than you. He's not wiser than you. He's not sharper than you. He's not as much on his game as you are on your game. So, so he might still be out there trying to deceive, but you are prudent, partnered with the Lord, watching for your adversary, and you're wise. You're as wise as him. Because make no mistake, you do have an enemy. And he is your adversary. And you are in a mental and spiritual match that matters for your life and for your children. You need to view it like a supernatural chess match. And across the board, is a spirit, an enemy that wants your destruction. And every move you make in your life, even the small ones, have a counter move. Every, every position you take, there's a counter position. And, and so, therefore, you need to have habits, disciplines, spiritual connection, 
to keep the enemy in check. You need to keep the enemy in check. The good news is the Holy Spirit's standing right next to you. He's a grandmaster on the side of the board. Greatest chess player ever to exist. And he'll tell you, pawn to E4. <laughs> Opening move, good move. <laughs> you hold, I, I don't want to do that. Can't do that. If you do that, I'm going to do this. The Holy Spirit will help you in this mental match that you are in. But you have to acknowledge that you are in a match, you are in a struggle, you are in a fight, but you are not foolish. You are not unaware, you are not unwise, you are not unable. And Paul tells us this, he says you have to stay sharp, you have to stay in forgiveness, you need to stay in Christ in order that Satan might not outwit us. He's going to try, but that doesn't mean he'll succeed. Come on, Satan will not outwit you with your children. Satan will not outwit you in your decisions. May he not outwit you in your marriage. May he not outwit you in your mind, for we are not unaware of his schemes. He's using the same playbook from the garden with the Gibeonites, with you and I, where he's subtle and seeking to deceive, but we are not unaware. We are not blind. Like Samson, the enemy tries to pluck out your eyes, blind you before he can bind you. But we are wide awake. We are not blind, we're living in the light, and we are making wise decisions so that we will not be defeated, because the reality is the enemy can only defeat you if he can deceive you. He does not have the power or authority to defeat you if you are allied with God. The only thing he can get you to do is defeat yourself. So he's going to try and deceive you. And this is what the Gibeonites do with Joshua. They come to him and they say, we are here. We're from a distant country, but we're here to make a treaty with you. So will you make a treaty with us, Joshua? And, and, and here we see how deception works. Deception is subtle. Deception is always subtle. See how vague they are? Let me just give you a life skill right here. If it's vague, it's suspect. Take that as you will. Red flag. Oh, we're, we're from a distant land, and, 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 you know, you wouldn't have heard of it, and we're from far away. And then they start buttering him up. But we've heard about your God. Oh, man, we've heard. You guys, you guys are winning some battles over here. Look, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Ah, look at those muscles, dude. You, I wouldn't want to fight you. They're buttering him up, and they're using the God card because even... Even the demons know scripture. Even they know. And they tremble. The reality is even the enemy will twist and use scripture as long as it gets to his own ends. And, and so, so here they come. And they're buttering them up because they want a covenant. And the goal of the enemy is always to get you to agree without questioning. That's his goal. is to get you to agree without activating your mind. He wants you to have a dim mental capacity when it comes to things that matter. He wants you to not think about it. Don't make waves. Come on, don't have a conflict. You don't have to fight every battle. You have to fight. This, this is easy. Hey, just go along to get along. Let, let's just be friends. Hey, let's just be friends. I know we're different. I know we don't see everything eye to eye. But you know what? Come on. Come on. Tolerate. 
tolerate. And if you begin to ask, well, wait, 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 wait hold, hold on, where, where, where are you from? What's your name? What's your identity? What's your purpose? What's your plan here? Who are you here to see? When you start asking specifics, you'll see that the enemy will, will always get more and more vague because specifics invite analytics. Specifics invite analytics. Come on, you know this. Remember when you were a teen and you're trying to go out? How fast did you try and get out of that house? See, mom, going out. Closed door. See, mom. Because we knew if mom can trap us, she's going to get specifics out of us. You wouldn't say, mom, can I go to a concert? Because then she'd say, what concert? Who's going? Who's in the car with you? What route are they taking? Are this, is this a Christian band? Get me the CD. Let me look at the lyrics. Are they spirit-filled? <laughs> this is my mom. <laughs> with the evidence of speaking in tongues? <laughs> What's this mean? <laughs> Steve, Steve. <laughs> as annoying as it was then, I'm grateful because I had prudent parents. They knew where I was, they knew where I was with, they weren't just gonna let me be a fool. <laughs> because the reality is that love sometimes digs. It gets into the nitty-gritty. If you didn't love, then go ahead, be vague. But if it matters, you should get deeply involved, and you should inquire of the Lord. You should inquire of the Lord. See, the reality is Satan comes, and he comes so subtly because, because he wants you to just make your choices and choose who you're going to follow and what you're going to do based on fuzzy math and feelings. I think that maybe it seems all right. You know, well, these guys seem fine. It looks okay. They're, they're using the God card. They come to church. They said it's fine. He said he loves God. It's fuzzy math and feelings. And if, and if we're not careful, those things will lead us to the flesh. And the flesh makes decisions based on what it wants to be true, not what the Word has determined to be true. And this is what Joshua, I think this is what Joshua is doing. I mean, see it from his perspective. For 40 plus years, at this point he's 80 years old, so for 40 years and 40 years, 80 years, he's been wandering in the desert with nobody else, no friends. You know how sick of, of people you must get if you've never met anyone else for 80 years? All right, I'll move on from that. Everybody he meets is an enemy. They've got no food. They're living in the desert. Every single thing is a battle and a fight. Finally, someone comes to him and says, hey, let's, let's be friends. And, and, and so, so Joshua loses his perspective because of what he wanted to be true. And sometimes the, the, most, the dumbest decisions you'll ever make are made out of what you want to be true rather than what is right in the cold light of day. Some of the dumbest decisions we'll make, be, make are based on our feelings yes. instead of facts. And, and so he, he desires friendship and he misses the fact, the truth, that in reality this was the enemy in disguise yes. because deception is always subtle. Yes. If Satan showed up and said, make a deal with me, you'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Give me your child, you know. Ooh. But he doesn't show up that way. This is how he shows up. The Bible says he, he shows up as an angel of light. Shows up as a friend. He shows up as a 
blessing, shows up as a good thing, shows up as an opportunity, shows up as a relationship. He shows, he shows up. One time he showed up to Jesus as Peter. Oh, surely you don't need to die. Come on. But Jesus knew, I know the forms you're taking. It's a snake behind it all. And, and Jesus was not going to be outwitted. He was not going to be outfoxed because he knew that sometimes the enemy comes in disguise. They were disguised as weary old travelers when in reality they were the ones that Joshua was supposed to conquer. And so what did the Israelites do? The Bible says the Israelites sampled their provisions. They tasted, but they did not inquire of the Lord. And right now, if you sample the world's provisions to make decisions, you will be deceived. Right now, more than maybe ever before, if you sample what the world is providing in order to make decisions, you will end in deception. Because what the world is providing is a scheme to remove you from God's promises for you. It is a device to destroy you. Its goal is to disconnect you. Its goal is to get leverage over you. What the world is providing might seem innocent, but underneath its goal is to drag you inch by inch towards its own designs and its own destruction. What the world is providing right now, you cannot understand it by taste. You have to understand it by spirit. Because the world's provision right now, they're deadly. What the world is providing when it comes to educating children is not wisdom. It's foolishness. What the world is providing when it comes to biology and gender is not fact. It's ideology. What the world is providing on the role of the family is not for it to flourish, but for it to destroy itself. What the world is providing on how to be a man and how to be a father is absent truth. What the world's thoughts are on faith lack faith. What the world's thoughts are on what should be acceptable in society are unacceptable. What it calls good is evil. What it calls right is wrong. What it calls noble and filled with value is worthless before God. It is a scheme to steal God's promises to you. So I'm telling you, church, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Over and over in the New Testament, in Colossians, in Thessalonians, in 1 John, it says over and over, do not be deceived. And I'm here to awaken you to that command from God. Practice the virtue of prudence and wisdom and do not be deceived because society is on a slippery slope and it's starting to rain. But we will stand on the rock that is Christ. And when comes the wind and when comes the storm, we will not be moved on the ancient boundaries that were set up by our forefathers. But we have to inquire of the Lord. This is what it says in Proverbs. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man. Seems. Seems. Seems right. Who knows? But it seems right. But its end is the way of death. 
So you must walk a path that maybe few will walk. You might have to walk a path that seems illogical, and yet it is spiritual. And that way leads to life. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the path. I am the door. I am the end that leads to life. And my fear right now on a whole is that too many Christians are accepting what the world is offering based on what it seems. That they are tasting of the provisions of the world and saying it's not that bad. Seems to add up. They're sampling the world instead of submitting to the Lord. We've forgotten to inquire of the Lord. And I love that that's the phrase, inquire of the Lord. Even deeper than prayer, because sometimes prayer can be you positioning God to what you want. But when you inquire of the Lord, that means you wait on the Lord. That means you're open to what the Lord says, even if it's no. When you inquire of the Lord, you are there to get God's mind on a matter. I would encourage you, when you are making life decisions that are large, I would encourage it in the small, but in the large especially, to make sure you launch an inquiry. That you gather some testimonies from other people that have been down that direction. You need to get some experts in the field. You need to get the mind of God. You need to present it before a jury of your peers. This is what crews are for. Hey, guys, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Will you pray with me? Crews are so powerful because they will help you not fall into foolish decisions. They will pray with you. They'll guard you. Launch an inquiry. Get all of that, but most importantly, get the mind of God. Lord, I'm going to wait on you, your way, your timing. I want to know what do you think about this? Because I think too many times we forget to inquire on areas that matter. God, what do you think about this relationship? What do you think about this potential marriage? God, what do you think about this potential move? What about this location? Will this be right for my children? What do you think about this school? What do you think about this teacher? Because there's a lot of signs there. But who knows? I don't know. Seems right. Lord, what do you think? What do you think about this job opportunity? It's crazy how many times opportunities that look like blessings can end up being curses. But God knows the beginning from the end. And if you will inquire of the Lord, he will help you choose the right path. He will give you prudence. He will give you wisdom. And I want to add to this. Sometimes he'll even let you see something that shows you what's going on on underneath. He'll cause the donkey to speak. He'll cause something to happen, you to overhear, you to see, and it's not by accident. It's God saying, here you go. Make a wise choice. Are you with me? The question is, will you inquire of the Lord? This is what Joshua forgot. But the truth is, when you begin to pray, you become prudent. You become prudent. The enemy's deception is only effective when God isn't consulted. But when you begin to ask God his thoughts on certain areas of of your life and certain decisions you're going to make, he will give you. He will give you his thoughts. And they will always be for your blessing and your benefit. Look at what it says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Just ask. And he gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, if you got yourself into a situation where you need help, 
and you go to God, God doesn't say, well, how'd you get into that situation, huh? <laughs> hmm? How do we end up here? That's not God. God says, do you lack wisdom? By the way, you do. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. I propose to you today that the practice of prayer produces the virtue of prudence in you. It makes you wise. It allows you to prosper and be blessed and protect your home and your family and your future. And when you begin to pray, not only is it a principle, not only does the hand of God come on it, not only is it divine, but when you begin to pray, it's practical as well. When you begin to pray about a decision, that means you pause on that decision. You think on that decision. You consider other options in that decision. You see if there are other ways around this decision. You reflect. This would work even if you weren't a Christian. But you add all of those things plus the voice and touch of God. Make no mistake, your quality of mind, your quality of life, your quality of relationships will begin to improve when you add prudence and prayer into your daily practice. Can you say amen? amen? This is what God has for you and for me. Joshua forgot to inquire of the Lord, but for you and I, I pray we make it a practice that we get God's mind and we become wise so that we don't end up making treaties with things that we're supposed to conquer, so that we don't end up making covenant, covenants with things that are going to end up causing conflict later on in life. And that's what the Gibeonites end up doing. That we don't begin to make allies with things that are enemies. That we don't begin to make our peace with things that are stirring up war in our life. Joshua made a treaty of peace when really he should have made a vastly different choice. And I wonder how many of us, how many times do we get ourselves into situations, maybe even through deception, where we make covenants with things we don't want to live with. We make decisions, walk down a path that we don't want to walk down. Sometimes we don't even know how to turn around, get back where we started. And so many times I see people of God coexisting in conflict because they've made some foolish covenants. And maybe you didn't know any better. And maybe you made some of these covenants when you were unsaved, or when you were newly saved, or maybe you just you found yourself in a situation where you sinned, where you missed the mark, where you made a mistake, and you ended up opening doors that you didn't even mean to open, and maybe you didn't even know what doors you were opening at the time. Maybe in relationships, out in the world, where you still have some soul ties with people, that you, you had meaningless sex and one-night stands, or maybe you've had emotional or even physical um, affairs, and those are open doors. And you can't figure out now why you're living in conflict over here. It's because you have a covenant over here. And I'm here to tell you, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. And so there are some contracts you might need to cut. Maybe in your mind you can't figure out why, why do I have no mental clarity? Why can't I think well? Why can't I make wise decisions? Why am I always stuck in misunderstandings? Maybe you made some covenants with your words that has given access to the enemy. You said, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm so dumb. I'll never get this thing right. I always misunderstand. You think it's small? But if the enemy gets that contract, what are you going to do? No, you already said. I got the contract of your words. I got your agreement. You said you're always, always this way. Always depressed, always an idiot, always dumb, always. 
That's why you can't think well. You need to cut that contract. I'm going to cut that contract. Hold on. Maybe you, maybe you made some contracts spiritually that you didn't even know you were making. Maybe when you were a kid even, you did some ceremonies, you said some words, you played with a Ouija board, you watched some stuff, and you just let some things in that you don't even know. Why am I filled with fear? Why am I filled with fear? Why am I tormented over here? Well, it's because of a contract that happened over here. That thing needs to be canceled. That thing needs to be cut. Well, you, you think, well, what? Why, 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 am I, why am I struggling? Because Maybe because some of the substances that you're taking are opening doors to places you don't want to go. You know, that, that's, that's even for me why I'm, I'm, I, feel, I, feel very, I feel very much, I feel very much for our church. My hope is to get men and women off of substance addiction, not just because of the physical ravages, but because of the spiritual doors. And that contract needs to be cut. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know when it started. But maybe you made some foolish decisions. You were deceived. You lacked prudence. You lacked wisdom. And now you're caught in covenant with an enemy. The truth is, you and I do not have the power or the authority to break the contracts we made. We can't go back on the covenants that we made. We gave our word. And that's where the Israelites find themselves. When they find out that they were deceived, they travel three days to Gibeon. They arrive there. They're angry. But there's nothing they can do about it because they gave their oath. They made a vow. Three-day journey. And in the end, they were powerless. But I'm here to tell you, there's a greater power. The cross of Jesus Christ can cancel every contract. The cross of Jesus Christ can break any covenant. The cross of Jesus Christ can bring freedom. After three days, the Israel could not rescue themselves, but Jesus went into the grave for three days. And I want you to know, when he arrived out of that grave, he came with the keys to hell, sin, and the grave. And he has the authority to break the old law, to break the old contract, to break the old words to forgive the old sin, to redeem the old mindsets, to restore the soul. He has the final authority by the power, by the blood of the name of Jesus. You can be set free for eternity. When he resurrected, he came to redeem from our own failings and our own foolishness. He doesn't just save our souls, he saves our mind. You stand to your feet all over this place. Today I believe that Jesus and the blood of Jesus can create a new covenant with you. That will break the old covenant you made, the old words you agreed with. The word of God speaks the final, the true, and the better word over you. The blood of Jesus will cover you, and it is greater than any other power in the universe. You can't get yourself out of situations that you got yourself into. But salvation, salvation, it comes and it breaks the yoke, breaks bondage, and it releases wisdom, releases freedom, releases a brand new life.
We just bow your heads and close your eyes. Today we are thankful that the cross cancels old covenants, that the Spirit of God releases prudence and wisdom as we move forward into all that God has for us. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.